Hi, this is Nick Forster. We're going to share one of our favorite E-Town shows from the archives, and it starts right now. Live from E-Town Hall in the foothills of the Rocky Mountains, it's E-Town with this week's guest. From Nashville, New West recording artist Lily Hyatt, author and freelance journalist Helen Thorpe, and also from Nashville, 30 Tigers recording artist John Oates. I'm Helen Forster. Join me now in welcoming our host, Nick Forster. Thank you, Helen. Thanks, everybody. Welcome to E-Town Hall. We have a really interesting combination of guests this week. An up-and-coming singer-songwriter from Nashville who's been playing and writing since she was a, a teenager, Lily Hyatt, has just released her third solo record. We've got a celebrated author. Helen Thorpe is here with us. Who she's, her new book is a great one. It really takes a good look at uh, one of the most important and somehow kind of contentious issues these days, which is about immigration. She spent an entire school year with refugee teenagers who were learning both the English language and how to live in America. So she's with us to share some of that story with us. And, of course, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer John Oates is here. John is half of Hall and Oates, as you well know. He has written uh, a ton of hit songs, as well as a memoir called Change of Seasons that kind of chronicles what is uh, already an amazing life from the Lower East Side of New York, entertaining his first-generation Italian mother's family, singing songs in both English and Italian when he was about three years old, on to rural Pennsylvania, becoming a high school wrestler, falling in love with folk music and rock and roll and doo-wop in the 50s and 60s, on to his meeting Daryl Hall, and then the stadium shows, and becoming a race car driver, an airplane pilot, uh, singing on We Are the World, and then the subsequent reinvention when his accountant told him that he didn't have any money, <laughs> even though they sold 80 million records. I mean, it's just... It's an amazing story, and, it, and of course it got better. They found some money, and, um, and it continues. You know, He continues to be a, a creative guy who loves music, loves playing guitar, and had a surprising connection to folk music ever since the very beginning, and acoustic music. So he's made a new record called Arkansas that taps into those roots, um, a real deep love of Mississippi John Hurt. Along with this new book, he's also, you know, continuing to explore. So we're really happy that he's here. He's here along with his buddy Guthrie Trapp. So let's go. Please welcome for his first visit to E-Town, Mr. John Oates. Well, thank you, Nick, for that very comprehensive introduction. It was just the beginning. It was just, I was just skimming the surface. <laughs> just warming up. Okay, well, speaking of warming up, I'm fixated on the 1920s and the 1930s, and uh, it's part of what I've done on my new album. So uh, this song is um, from the great Jimmy Rogers. It's uh, one of my favorite songs. I got to perform it at the Bristol Rhythm and Roots Festival a few years back, and uh, once I learned it, I just put it in the show. It's just a beautiful song. I'm growing tired Of the big city lights Tired of the glamour and Tired of the sights And in my dreams I've been roaming once more 
far from my home on the old river shore. I'm so sad and weary, far away from home. I miss the Mississippi and you. are dark and dreary Everywhere I roam I miss the Mississippi And you Rolling the wide World over Always alone Seems to cheer me under heaven's door. I miss the Mississippi and you. Welcome, John Oates. So good to have you here. We have both spent a lot of time in Colorado, even though it's not our native state, but we've both uh, spent a lot of time here, and we haven't really spent much time together no, somehow. We've been threatening. We, we've been talking about <laughs> right. it. Um, you know, as I mentioned in your introduction, I just thought your story is so cool, and 
you do such a good job of uh, sort of vividly capturing all these little pieces and parts. And I can't help but want to start with your grandparents. Your grandfather, was he from Wales originally? He was an English policeman stationed on the Rock of Gibraltar. Oh, wow. Yes. Where he fell in love with a Moorish woman who lived in a cave, believe it or not. (laughs) I know. See what I'm saying? (laughs) I'm not making this stuff up. Well, it, it was a cave, but it was a house in a cave. Yeah. Okay. And then your mother's pure Italian. All Italian, that's yeah. correct. And big Italian family in that's the Lower right. Side of New York. Yep. yep. And that was sort of like your entree into performing was just entertaining these... Italians. These Italians. Yes. Singing in Italian, right? <laughs> yes. I, I made my professional debut um, at the Wildwood Crest Pier in New Jersey. Oh. Singing volare in Italian. <laughs> My, my uh, grandmother told me I would win, and uh, she was right. 20 bucks, wow. and that's how it started. Wow. And then your family moved to Pennsylvania. You left New York. Yep. Was there music in your house then when you got there, or was it just whatever was on the radio? Well, my folks liked music. They liked to dance. They liked big band music. I grew up with big band music. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started taking guitar lessons at six, and they uh, provided me with instruments. They were very supportive. And then, uh, you know, we talk about the Philadelphia sound. Yep. How would you describe the Philly sound? In broad terms, Philadelphia is very well known for its urban R&B th- uh, through the, right. the great songs and recordings of Gamble and Huff. Right. But Philadelphia has an amazing folk tradition, too. And I think it's very a uh, unique city. I mean, if you think about it, and I don't want to get too deep in this, but from a kind of geographic and historic perspective, Philadelphia was the first northern city uh, north of the Mason-Dixon line. So after the Civil War, a lot of rural African-Americans came north, and one of the first places they settled was Philadelphia. So you have this very unique Anglo-English classical tradition mixing with this more rural African-American folk tradition. And I think it's what makes Philadelphia so damn soulful. Yeah. Yeah. I love the fact that as a kid you were into doo-wop and you were into the early rock and roll. You were singing, you know, Elvis songs, but you discovered Doc Watson and you discovered, you know, Mississippi John Hurt and... uh, on the radio, I heard that the Philly radio stations didn't really get moved by the British invasion thing. The whole Beatles and Rolling Stones thing didn't really catch on there. It's true. You couldn't dance to it. Uh, in Philadelphia, if you can't dance to music, they weren't interested. So, yeah, the early Beatles stuff sounded weird to me. It sounded like a bunch of guys, you know, kind of like my friends playing in the garage. Little did I know what was really gonna, they were going to evolve into. Right. Um, I was obviously not getting it at first because I was wearing sharkskin suits and trying to play songs with string arrangements and things like that. So Wow, so wild. And then, uh, you know, you did your obligatory ramble through Europe in the early 70s, and uh, you came back and then dove into this partnership with Daryl Hall. Yeah. I met Daryl, and he asked me if I would be a, uh, the guitar player backing his vocal group. One of the first things that he had going was a uh, showcase at the Gaslight in uh, the Village in New York. So uh, we got together, we went to New York, um, played the Gaslight, and then Daryl kind of sprung a little surprise on me. He said, oh, and by the way, after we finished doing this, we're going uptown to the Apollo Theater to see The Temptations. And I was like, so this Daryl Hall guy was impressing me right out of the box. That's cool. Uh, But what he didn't tell me was that we were going 
through the backstage door into the backstage because Daryl's group was called the Temptones and they were actually discovered by the Temptations. So um, we hung around backstage with them and then went into the front row and watched the show from wow. the, at the Apollo Theater. Wow. It was a pretty amazing experience. Wow. So, like I said, folks, I'm not making any of this up. It's a ridiculous story and it carries all through the the trials and tribulations and the uh, false starts and the songwriting and the nefarious uh, hangers-on and agents and managers. But, you know, the bottom line is a really amazing journey. Mm -hmm. And what's so interesting about your story is that you kept on trying, kept on looking, kept on finding new ways, you know, modulating through the MTV era and uh, the whole... Surviving the MTV era. Yeah, exactly. Anyway, that brings us back to kind of full circle. Now you're spending more time in Nashville... This new record of yours, Arkansas, is really kind of reconnecting with those Mississippi John Hurt songs that you really laboriously studied and learned and figured out how to play like those guys. Hours and hours of practicing, right? Well, it was what I did before I met Daryl Hall. When I was playing guitar, as I said, I started six. And I was very fortunate in the mid-60s to meet an incredible guy named Jerry Ricks yeah. in Philadelphia, who became my guitar teacher and mentor and introduced me to a lot. And, and actually, the, you know, there was um, across the street from where Jerry lived, there was a guy named Dick Waterman, who uh, managed a lot of the, uh, these early performers. And they would come to Philadelphia, they would sleep on the couch, I would get to meet them, go see them at the second fret or whatever. And so it was just an amazing time to be in Philadelphia. And, and that was what I did before I met Daryl and we started on our partnership so yeah um it's just cool to understand the depth of your fascination and your appreciation for the particular style of country blues and finger style that that these guys you know popularized and invented really anyway we could go on i think the idea is that um there's lots more to be discovered both on your new record and in your book thank you and uh meanwhile let's let's get back to some some more music should we do one more at least at least at least welcome back if you would john oates Uh, This next one we're going to do, since we spoke so much about Mississippi John Hurt, we're going to do um, one of his classics. It's uh, it's one of the first tracks we cut on the Arkansas album. You know, Staggerly, it's been recorded and the story's been told in many different ways by many different artists over the years. And this is uh, kind of a traditional and original version. officer now how can that be you can't arrest everybody but you afraid of staggerly he's a bad man cruel old staggerly billy deline told staggerly now please don't take my life i got three children and darling lovely wife you a bad man cruel old staggerly I don't care about your children I don't care about your wife No, you done stole my Stetson hat Now I'm gonna take your life I'm a bad man All right
at 44. Staggerly shot Billy Delight down upon the barroom floor. Now he's a bad man. Cool old Staggerly. Guthrie Trap and the E-Tones, Chris Engelman, Ron Jolly, Christian Teal, Aaron Youngberg on the steel guitar. The record's called Arkansas, and John Oates will be back later on to play a bunch more music. This portion of E-Town is made possible by the Bohemian Foundation, building stronger communities through the Bohemian qualities of creativity and imagination. On the web at bohemianfoundation.org. As a reminder, for your viewing pleasure, there are over 2,000 videos on the E-Town YouTube channel, where you can also subscribe in order to stay up to date with our latest offerings. And if you're curious about E-Town's home base, E-Town Hall, our beautiful solar-powered music venue, community center, and recording studio, located in downtown Boulder, Colorado, you can learn more about it on our website, etown.org. You're listening to E-Town. Forster, this is E-Town. John Oates is going to be back a little later on the show. And coming up also from Nashville, Lily Hyatt is here today to play some songs from her latest record. Um, before we get back to music, I mentioned that uh, Helen Thorpe is here. She's an author, and uh, we're really glad she is. Uh, here comes Helen Forster to tell you more about her. Thank you, Nick. Yes, Helen Thorpe is here. Early in her career, Helen was either a freelance or a staff writer for the Atlantic Monthly, The New Yorker, Slate, New York Times Magazine, and others. Now, more recently, she's the author of three award-winning books, Just Like Us, chronicling the lives of four Mexican-American girls in Denver, Soldier Girls, telling the story of three women from Indiana who joined the National Guard, only to be called up and sent to Afghanistan and Iraq. And most recently, The Newcomers, a close look at the lives of refugee teenagers who arrive in America after, in many cases, unimaginable challenges and struggles, only to learn a new language and a new culture with the hope of a new beginning. Now, born in London to Irish parents, Helen went to Princeton and Columbia, and she's a former first lady of Colorado. Please welcome to E-Town, Helen Thorpe.
Welcome, Helen. Welcome back to E-Town. And, My uh, Yeah, glad you're here. So your third book, The Newcomers, we can kind of see the thread running through them so far. Um, it has to do with exploring lives um, that we might not otherwise encounter, being where we are and how we live and where we live. These are all glimpses, for me at least, into lives of my fellow citizens that I wouldn't otherwise see. And is that driven from your natural sort of journalistic curiosity, or is it also your commitment to sort of solving this puzzle of inequality? I think that it's motivated by a feeling I have that there's conversations we have in our country that aren't as thoughtful or as deep as I would wish. Mm -hmm. And I feel like if I can tell the right nonfiction story, I can engage people or interest them in learning more about a subject they might not otherwise know. So that leads us right into this subject of the day, which is immigration. It's sort yeah. of a, something we hear about all the time. Indeed. Tell us what you began to discover. You found out about Mr. Williams's class at South High School in Denver. That is the place, as I understand it, where it's sort of like a magnet school for non-English speaking teenagers who arrive in the Denver metro area, and they all go, pretty much go there. Yeah, pretty much that's it. South is unusual because it's a regular urban high school that serves all the kids that regular big high schools serve, but it also has what's called a newcomer center. And they focus on helping refugee students get settled in their early transition when mm -hmm. they're just here, don't have a lot of English, and maybe their schooling has been interrupted by war, other things. Yeah. Yeah. So you sat as an observer in this classroom, yep. and it started small and it grew throughout the school year. Yeah, it did, which is strange. You know, most classrooms start around the size they end up at, but this one had five kids at the beginning, 22 by the end of the year, because the teacher just collected students as the families arrived in the U.S. Yeah. And, but you did get to know their parents and their circumstances during the course of the year. And in some cases, the parents arrived after having escaped, for example, from the Middle East and maybe migrated from Iraq through Syria into Turkey and then by water and become a refugee in Greece and found their way into... I mean, it's really amazing difficult stories. and amazing stories. Yeah. Um, there were 22 kids in the room from 11 countries, wow. and they spoke 14 languages because some of the countries don't have one shared language wow. that everybody speaks. And they also used five alphabets, the kids among them. Amazing. They represented the globe, and especially the globe where there's difficulty and conflict. Sure. Whenever we've had big waves of immigration, uh, it's obviously very heated. Right. And it's uncomfortable, I think, personally, for me and many people. The turns the political rhetoric has taken. But, you know, this too shall pass. <laughs> well, I think with your help, you tell this story in a completely different way, because now we're automatically going to feel empathy for these families and for these kids because we understand their struggle. We understand why they're coming here. We understand what they have to do even once they arrive here. It's not like, therefore, they're all set. Yeah. The struggle continues to learn the language, to assimilate, to find employment, to integrate into a, a teenage society. Yeah. You, know? you know, as I was getting to know these kids, really the awe that I felt at just how great their struggle was in learning English and trying to become American at the same time, trying to fit in in this high school, trying to figure out what you wear to high school. Should they eat spicy chicken in the cafeteria or not? What was spicy chicken? You know, and yet their full personalities started to bloom by the end of the year, and the room became this really joy-filled place yeah. 
where these kids who had been so lonely at the outset, unable to communicate with one another, unable to make friendships, unable to really understand what their teacher was saying, you know, by the end of the year, the kids had grown so tremendously. They had learned so much English so quickly. A couple of the kids started reading To Kill a Mockingbird in their second year in the United States. Extraordinary learning curves. Really amazing. Yeah, and it's not easy. I mean, you're you're a mother of a teenager. You know that just being a teenager <laughs> is hard. It is indeed. And I often thought about my son while I was in that classroom, watching the struggles that the kids were going through, and I thought about how relatively easy his life is in the United States compared to some of the countries. Yeah, it's an amazing idea to think that these kids were in life and death situations as 12, 13, 14, 15 year olds. Yeah. We tend to sort of think of this immigration issue as being monochromatic, but you just, what you're describing is global challenges that set peoples in motion for the safety of their families and that they find themselves on their way here. They do, and it it resonates for me personally because I grew up with a green card And every time we would come back from Ireland, I was just ridiculously devoted to this particular green card that had a picture of my mom who looked very young in this photograph, carrying me as a baby. And so I I refused, even though I was supposed to update my green card, I just didn't. And I got stopped in the airport every time, separated from my family and held for lengthy periods while my mom and my brother and my sister were. I mean, I just encountered the immigration system in a personal way that always stayed with me and made me be curious about those who are having even greater difficulties sort of along the same lines. Yeah. Well, you've done a great job, not just in uh, highlighting the issue, but in highlighting the humanity and the context, providing the context. And for me, understanding just a little tiny bit about what these families have gone through already, what these kids are grappling with as they deal with the equivalent of another planet and still looking for ways to be contributing members of society, which they're well on their way to becoming thanks to this program. But uh, really, I I learned a lot from your book, and I appreciate your ongoing effort to shine a light on these sort of backstories that, as you say, deepen our understanding and our appreciation for this context of these issues that we talk about, but we may not really fully understand. So, Thank you. Thanks, Helen. Thanks so much for being with us. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. The book is called The Newcomers, Helen Thorpe's latest. Now, to our listeners, if you want to learn more about Helen Thorpe and her books, you can find more information about her on our website, which is etown.org. You know, we always love to hear from our listeners. If you'd like to comment on this conversation or the show in general, you can connect with us through social media or write to us the old-fashioned way if you so choose at Box 954, Boulder, Colorado, 80306. Thank you, Helen. Thank you, Helens. Um, We've got uh, more music coming up from John Oates in just a little while. I want to tell you about our next guest. Lily Hyatt was born in Los Angeles. She grew up in Nashville with her pretty famous dad, John. She got her first guitar when she was around 12 years old. She went to college in Denver, moved briefly to Austin, and then back to Nashville. She's just released her third solo record, and she's been working hard touring with her band, and she's going to continue to do that this year with good reason, because she's got a lot of songs she's written and she needs to get it out there. But she is here this week on her own. Really happy to have her for her first visit. Please welcome, if you would, Lily Hyatt. 
right, guys. Well, I'm going to play a little bit quietly, and then I'll get everyone out with me. I get bored, so I want to get drunk. And where that goes, so I ain't going to touch it. I get bored and want to find someone I know how that goes So I ain't gonna rush it
Lily Hyatt, welcome to E-Town. Thank you. Good to hear you sing and play. Thanks. So I can imagine that uh, making music was something that you just imagined people do. It wasn't like an unusual thing in your childhood to see people making music, right? Yeah. I didn't realize my dad was a cool dad till I was older, you know? But I kind of knew he was, you know, then. But yeah, it was. It was normal to just pursue your dreams in my house, so. Did you start writing when you were early? I know, at least it seems like you got your first guitar when you were around 12 or so. Did you start writing around then, too? Yeah. I'm sure I'd written some little stuff here and there before, I think, you know. But that's when I started trying to write songs. And And then uh, your time in Denver, you had a band when you were going to college, right? Yeah. That's when I formed my first band was in Denver. It was pretty wild, so. It was wilder. The times were wilder. The whole deal, I guess. I don't know. Just Our name was Lush for Life. I'm the only one that liked it. I thought it was great. <laughs> and we played a lot, you know? We played a lot around towns. Oh, that's cool. And yeah. then from there you went to Austin for a little bit. Exactly. And um, so now you're living in East Nashville. Tell me what it's like to be in a community where a lot of people your age and a lot of your friends are aiming in this similar direction because I think it's rare. Yeah, it is. It's something that you can easily take for granted and traveling around really helps me appreciate that as well as other communities. But um, it's inspiring. You know, it's very motivating to be in a town like that. So And it's collaborative rather than competitive for the most part, right? I'd say, I mean, everyone says that, but there's both. There's got to yeah. be competitive. That's right. what keeps you on your toes. But yeah. it's a friendly competition there, in a way, you know. So, But there's a lot of community, too. So, One of the first bands to play, you know, in this renovated old church was Shovels and Rope. Oh, cool. And so um, I'm not sure how it is that you made that connection to Michael Trent from Shovels and Rope, because he, he produced your new record, right? Yeah. Someone that I work with suggested him, and... Uh, I thought, that's interesting. So yeah. we started talking, and he's really cool. So, Well, it's cool because he understands uh, both sparse and power. You know, yeah. Are, you no, know, I'd agree. That's a good combo. Yeah, it's a good combo. And a rare gonna, combo. Yeah. So you made a really good record, Lily, Thanks. and I'm glad you're here. I'm glad to learn some of these songs. We're going to dive into them a little more, if that's okay with you. Yeah. Okay. Grab Let's get too. back to music. Welcome back to E-Town, Lily Hyatt. Thanks. Thank you. Helen's here now. Yay!
guys and thanks to this awesome band for learning these songs on the fly and playing them with me it's a real luxury
Lily Hyatt. The record's called Trinity Lane. Along with the E-Tones, Chris Engelman, Ron Jolly, Aaron Youngberg, Helen Forster, Lily Hyatt. Your visit to E-Town is made possible in part by the Scientific and Cultural Facilities District, or SCFD, one of the largest cultural funding mechanisms in the United States, supporting nearly 300 organizations in the greater Denver area, and by our diverse family of NPR affiliates and community stations, plus college and commercial stations, as well as our international stations and podcast subscribers worldwide. Thank you for your continued support. You're listening to E-Town. I'm Nick Forster. Like to say hello to our listeners who hear E-Town on stations like KRML in Carmel, California, on KHEN in Salida, Colorado, and on WOI in Des Moines, Iowa. As always, if you want some more information about any of the things we're up to here at E-Town, check us out online at etown.org. So I promised an interesting group of folks at the top of the show. I'm confident that we have delivered so far, but we're not done. Would you please welcome back to the stage, along with his buddy Guthrie Trapp, John Oates. Thank you. And Helen, you're going to sing on this one, aren't you? I would love to. This would be fantastic. All right. This song is the uh, title song for the new album. The album's called Arkansas, and so is the song. And here we go. There's a faded glory along the great river road In a worn-down farmhouse hanging on a broken down porch looking over miles and miles and miles Walk along the lamp silhouetted by a crescent moon When the sun starts rising at 94 the clock strikes noon Don't you know the day and nights Dreams drift Slowly by Another Delta dawn Brings hope Worth waiting On Will that old man River flow Yes, the snow white cotton fields of Arkansas, yeah. There's a long black train running on a southbound track. Hear that distant wind, so blowing when it calls. 
Thank uh, Nick and Helen for uh, finally getting me out here. I've been wanting to do E-Town for so long, so it's really a pleasure to be here, and thank you guys for coming, and the great band. My good buddy Guthrie Trapp right here on the lead guitar. Helen, are you going to stay out and sing another one with us? All right. Now, a lot of people think this song's about a woman, but it's actually not. It's about the city of New York, and it's going to go, well, it doesn't go like this. It's going to go something like this.
Trap and the E-Tones. The record is called Arkansas out on 30 Tigers Records. John Oates. We are going to get everybody back on stage and do one more song. I want to thank everybody. I want to thank all our guests coming to E-Town this week. Thanks to Lily Hyatt for coming out from Nashville, Tennessee and playing songs from her new record. Trinity Lane. Thanks to Helen Thorpe for coming and talking about her latest book, The Newcomers, Inside Story on a, on a very real immigration issue. Thanks to John Oates, along with his friend Guthrie Trapp. 
the hardworking E-Tones and Helen Forster. Thanks to all of you. We talked about how John was able to uh, go backstage early on in 1967 and go meet the Temptations at the Apollo Theater. So it seemed fitting that we should at least explore some of that stuff. I'm Nick Forster. Hope you can be with us next week right here in E-Town. Recorded at E-Town Hall and produced by our donor-supported nonprofit organization. To comment about the show, email us at info at etown.org or connect with us on Twitter or on Facebook. Distribution is made possible by our family of sponsors, this station, and listeners like you. This is a production of E-Town. There you have it, singer-songwriter John Oates, Rock and Roll Hall of Famer, along with John Hyatt's daughter, Lily Hyatt. I loved Helen Thorpe's book called The Newcomers, really diving into the whole immigration issue. I'm Nick Forrester. Thank you for listening.